Hi to everyone listening. This is Lindsay, owner of Cannabom CBD Topicals, and this is my podcast, Cannaboms, where we talk to other Cannaboms or non-moms, but always about cannabis. Today, I'm chatting all things Cannaboms with Kelly Bruce, executive director and co-founder of Cannabomy Nonprofit. Cannabomy is a nonprofit organization with the mission of supporting mothers during pregnancy and beyond by providing safe access to natural medicines, including dun 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 cannabis. All right, I'm so ready. Let's do this. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing today? Hey, Lindsay. I'm doing great. It's so good to be here today. I'm just going to let the listeners know that we're recording this on January 7th, the day after the Capitol was breached by rioters. So that may play into your mood of how you're doing. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. How how is your kids taking that and everything? You have one older daughter, right? I have four kids, so I have an 11-year-old, a 5-year-old, a 2-and-a-half-year-old, and a 1-year-old. Wow. Over here. Yeah. Um, this one hit especially hard. I grew up in, in D.C. I have a lot of friends that work in the Capitol building currently that were there. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, my parents still live there in the outskirts in the Northern Virginia side of, um, you know, the greater Washington, D.C. area. So, this one was um particularly hard to watch from here. Yeah, it's a super hard situation to explain to kids, too. I have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a almost 2-year-old. So obviously the 2-year-old's just, like, not even paying attention. Yeah. But, yeah, it's yeah. they're, like, not – they don't really get – I'm like, you guys need to pay attention. Like, this is the most historical thing to happen kind of since 9-11. Yeah. I mean uh... – yeah, we're we're in the history books right now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Between the pandemic and Yeah. I'm like you guys are gonna remember today when you're older. <laughs> it's just uh yeah, the world is the world is changing for sure. It's definitely um, hard to be a mom right now. It is. It's hard to be a mom. It's hard to be probably a dad too. Uh <laughs> I mean I'm not a dad, but I can only imagine um you know, how they're feeling too. But yeah, the moms are definitely feeling a lot of the brunt on it um, between the homeschooling and just having all of your outlets for mommying and social interaction kind of just cut off at the neck. Yeah. It's, you know, motherhood is difficult as it is. <laughs> and now, exactly. you know, we have to be isolated. Um, and it's going to be a scary time and... out there for people. So I hope, you know, um, you know, and, you know, speaking of, can- you know, this, right, cannabis, right, um, seems to be a-, a-, a way to help people sort of get through these next um, couple months, you know, and then the next couple phases. Exactly. Yeah, definitely utilizing it on my end anyway. <laughs> well, you know, and then traditional medicine approaches, it's more difficult to even get in front of care providers. So, you know even meeting a doctor to go over prescriptions is becoming more difficult. So people are looking at more holistic approaches now anyway. Yeah. And even therapists are booked. Like you can't, you can barely even find one anymore. Oh, it's, it's a struggle. And then, you know, a lot of people's insurance was dependent on their employment. And so the, there's that lovely hurdles to navigate as well. Yeah. A lot of people lost their employment, lost their insurance. Yeah. It's a challenging time out there for people. Um, yeah. I don't. 
how are you guys managing it? Where you are located in Arizona, yeah? Yeah. 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 We're in Arizona. This- um we're okay. We we my kids have been in school up until Christmas break. So that was crazy to me that they were still going in person. Where are you in Humboldt? I know that's where your business is based out of, but do you live there? I do. I live in, in Eureka, right smack here in Humboldt. Nice. Um, yeah. So we're here in Humboldt County and you know, we're we're used to being kind of isolated and bubbled, but um, yeah. we're a small little community, so everybody's taking it pretty serious and pretty much staying at home and schools have been distance learning since last or yeah last March so they've never gone back um so it's you know it's an adjustment for everybody can't wait till it's over tell me more about what you guys are doing tell me more about your business and what's going on um with you guys out in Arizona I'm so interested to hear more about that market and sort of how how the can of moms are doing out there? Um, I think it's been a little bit easier to be a can of mom out here recently um, in the past, just like I want to say maybe five years. Um, there's definitely, I mean, our state went blue this year, but there's definitely more of an anti-cannabis community here than that in Humboldt. <laughs> Oh, for sure, probably. <laughs> um, in fact, we just recreationally legalized cannabis. However, the city I live in and the neighboring city voted against having any recreational shops allowed in those cities. How cute. Yeah. I'm like, why do we vote on it on a state level? First of all, at a federal level. Then at a state level, if a city can just veto it and say, nope, sorry, not here. But I have a little group of friends that, you know, smoke and and use cannabis and openly talk about it that I've been able to find through, honestly, Instagram. Yep. Um, there's a, yeah, it's there's a great a resource group. for finding cannabis moms. It really is. The more we can just keep having conversations about it, talking about it, really um, educating the general public on a lot of things, right? Yeah. Uh, and really just working to not just remove the stigma, but flip the script in that women should have access to cannabis in pregnancy, labor, and postpartum. It's a great option. Yeah. (laughs) It's safer than a lot of the other things. And so um, we really need to advocate for women to have what they need, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely need it. I don't even want to know what I'm well, just like something as simple as like during labor, right? We utilize for pain management an epidural. Well, Not epidural. even that. When I was in labor, I got offered a pain pill. Yeah, they do that too. They're like, they they're like the baby will come out maybe a little sleepy. I was like, are you joking me? But I can't take cannabis. Like I can't. Fentanyl. They offer you fentanyl yeah. in your labor. They offer you gas like laughing gas which is not uh nitrous gas i think is what it's like technical term is yeah lord do not quote me here i am not medical <laughs> <laughs> but you know i am experienced and i'm a mom of four and i it's not my first rodeo around you know around labor postpartum and and pregnancy there was a recent study that i was looking at and uh, i can send it to you and we can put it out for social media when this airs or whatever 
The gist of the study was they were studying the effectiveness of cannabis versus opioids and pain management. And what the study discovered is that more than half of the doctors are going to cannabis first for their patients to manage pain. And if the doctors are doing that already for pain management, why would we not then consider it as a real option for pain management in labor? Exactly. Yeah, because that's like the, the most the, pain. The, the, the argument that we get and we hear is that, well, we don't know that it's safe. We don't have enough studies to prove that it's safe. And I always say this is the most critical part of education is that hello nothing for pregnant women is safe it's unethical to test anything on pregnant women so even those pills even that epidural all that stuff that you guys are like it's safe is not safe there's been no studies all they're studying is the anecdotal evidence the outcomes of what happens yeah literally that's <laughs> and and so, so true. and so if, if if we know that that's the the best that we're ever going to get as anecdotal studies then wouldn't we consider the 4,000 years of anecdotal evidence to support that cannabis not only has never harmed anyone ever in the history of the world, but it's also never harmed anyone in, in labor, postpartum, and pregnancy, and we have increased use in it. So it, it, you have to look at the, the facts and the logics here. It's like, yeah. you know, yes, when you're pregnant, you need to consider risk-benefit for sure. And there's also studies out there that are showing that stress is actually super harmful to a pregnancy. And they have done studies where they tested mothers who were pregnant in severe stressful situations. I'm talking about like um, refugee type situations and people who are pregnant in war struck uh, zones, right? Mm -hmm. And then they also studied the impact of stress from economic and socioeconomic influences those have serious outcomes to the pregnancy the stress is 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 seriously impacting the outcome of the fetus and the pregnancy right mm -hmm. so if we know that stress is is not good in a pregnancy cannabis can help reduce stress yeah. Is it not more harmful then for moms to stress over whether or not to use cannabis than it is to actually just use the cannabis? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I say all the time. The, and another thing that I like to point out is, so my, one of my main reasons I use cannabis is for appetite stimulant. So especially the first 12 weeks, I'm 16 weeks pregnant right now. Oh, I, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. I couldn't keep anything down or couldn't even eat anything unless... You know, I used my little volcano, put my full plant in the volcano and, you know, used cannabis to stimulate my appetite. And I always argue, I think my baby needs the nutrients from the food I'm going to eat after I use cannabis more than it doesn't need the possible negative effects cannabis can have. Yeah, I mean, 
We have to just think logically and critically about it, too. Women who are seeking cannabis during a pregnancy, a labor, or a postpartum are not doing it because they're irresponsible and they just want to get high. They're not avoiding sushi and caffeine and Advil and then seeking cannabis because yeah. they're, you know, irresponsible, bad moms. No, yeah. they're they're seeking it because it's safe and it works. And that's the bottom line is that it's safe and it works. And we really just need to stop beating around that bush. We need to stop being scared to say that cannabis is safe. When they say, well, we don't know that it's safe. Well, I say, well, how do you know it's harmful? It's been used for 4,000 years. And don't bring up those tests that also include mothers who use alcohol or, you know, I feel like every study that I find, they're getting their resources from another study that was done years ago and they didn't isolate cannabis using mothers they they isolated mothers using other substances as well absolutely there's been uh no studies where they've isolated the impact of just thc and there won't be because you can't do it it's unethical exactly and so they're calling for um information that's never going to be there to just continue to push out the whole like well we don't know it's safe well we don't well we know that the pills are not are not safe Mm mm-hmm Here's the list so, of, of side effects you've written on your prescription, yet you can't say anything about cannabis except we just don't know. But we do know. That's right. the point. Exactly. Is that we do know. And that's the information and that's the dialogue that we have to start really feeling empowered and confident to say is that actually we do know. We know. Um, the history of the world, there's never been one documented case of THC harming anyone ever. Our bodies are designed to interact with this plant. You know, we just have to start demanding that we have safe access to it. Well, you know, the hospital doesn't provide you cannabis. Therefore, they can't charge you for it. They can charge you for an epidural. Well, hopefully with people like you and I, your your business, Cannamami Nonprofit, and this podcast, and, you know, the people who I've come to find, there are a lot more women who are just like closeted can of moms. Oh my God, there's so many of us. Right? They just <laughs> don't put it on Instagram, you know, because of well, their family or so their job. We have to talk about that because that's real. I mean, that is that is real. That fear is real. Like I've been through CPS multiple times, Same. multiple states. And so, you know, I'm white, so I'm going to put that out there, and um, I feel really lucky because I was able to fight and stand up and, and, and go for it. I know other people who are in different situations that get way more harassed, and, you know, I feel a responsibility to, to really use this platform to stand and say, like, this isn't right. You know, I'll never forget, there was this woman I was um, speaking on a panel with, at a Canamami event by a company called Tokativity up in Portland. Her name is Birdie. She goes, um, I forget, it's like Birdie something. She's on Instagram. She's awesome. She's a, a beautiful woman, Canamom. And we were speaking, and she was using CBD, full-spectrum CBD in Portland, not even like THC, right? And when she had her baby, she was tested, and... It came back positive for THC because it was the full spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And she got harassed and she had to, like, go through an investigation. And they gave her a lot of shit about breastfeeding. And she had 
been participating in some of the Kanamami things from Tokativity, so she had more knowledge, so she was more empowered and was able to tell them, like, you can't prevent me from breastfeeding and really was able to advocate for advocate for herself. But still, it's like, why did she get harassed but I didn't? I'm yeah. using THC. I'm full-blown, like, every day consuming THC while pregnant, while breastfeeding in my hospital. Brought it in there. Why, why am I supported and she's persecuted? Right. Well, yeah. if you looked at us, you would see the difference, right? Yeah. And so we have a responsibility to stand and use our platforms and really bring awareness and say, stop. Um, it's, it's more, too, we need to start working with the medical communities. I mean, a lot of the medical doctors today have, they, you know, spent like two weeks learning about an endocannabinoid system yeah. in that like 101 class, the first year of school, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not educated. They don't understand it. And so they're still learning about it too. And so they're not going to give information about things that they're not knowledgeable about, which, you know, makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. We can appreciate that about them. At the same time, where do you go to get this information and this knowledge then? Like, yeah. It becomes like a bridge that we have to build between showing the doctors, the studies and the information and the research that we're finding, letting them kind of mull over in their like medical brain and then working together in collaboration. And so, you know, it's really important that if you find yourself pregnant and you are wanting to consider cannabis in your pregnancy and in your labor and in your postpartum at any level, right? Uh, you really need to find a medical team that is open, knowledgeable, and supportive of that choice. It, it is imperative, and, and you should be interviewing them and not be scared to say yeah. to them, I am considering cannabis for pain management or for managing my anxiety or managing my nausea or managing, you know, my Crohn's disease or my whatever. Last time I was pregnant, too, I utilized a cannabis doula. So I had like oh, yeah. my, She's awesome. yeah, I had like my doctor, midwife, whatever. But then I also had, I would not really listen to them. I'd go there for like my ultrasounds and stuff like that. The glucose test, whatever. But yeah, then yeah, I, yeah. I'd report immediately back to my cannabis doula and say like, okay, you know, and she'd give me information. And then, yeah, I had an open case with CPS as well. They came to my house and all sorts of stuff. Interviewed my older children. Um, oh, yeah. All that kind of stuff. And so she was super helpful for that, too, because I was like, what's going to happen? What do I say? And, you know, now that yeah. I've done it and I'm about to do it again, I'm way more confident. I know what to expect. I know I want a new doctor, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But when I was pregnant the first time, I was terrified. Oh, the first time I was pregnant with my my first like 11 years ago or whatever, um, I used cannabis very, very. I was also in the state of Virginia, which is like. <laughs> the most like illegal place ever. Um, <laughs> I was like terrified and I didn't smoke hardly at all. Towards the end of my pregnancy, I had such anxiety and I was freaking the F out. I was like, holy shit, how's this going to get out of my vagina? Like what is that? Right, yeah. How is this <laughs> going to work? <laughs> um, and so I smoked a little bit and then I felt like shit for smoking. So then I like didn't smoke, but then I like was having such like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's a um, vicious and cycle. To, like, freak out, like, oh my god, now my baby's gonna get taken away because I smoked. <laughs> like, yeah, because yeah. she was freaking, like, I was freaked out. Um, 
But then the second, third, and fourth ones, I was in a way different place. And I was in, um, I mean, like physically too, I was here in Humboldt, which is a way different community uh, to be doing things um, like that. But yeah, I mean, we just need to keep, you know, and then, and then it does a disservice too, because if we were able think about if all the moms were able to come forward confidently and share their positive experiences, what that would do to the medical community. They would have no other, they would not be able to avoid the overwhelming evidence that cannabis is a viable option. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Um, so what made you decide to start Cannamommy nonprofit? Was it just like going through that those situations in your pregnancy and everything? It was a multitude of a multitude of things. The the first spark would be when I got in trouble in Colorado when my daughter was like two and I had my medical card and someone in the community because I worked with children like I taught them to ski and I had like ran a little kids music center um, and I was very vocal about my choice to use cannabis to manage um, my back injuries instead of using the prescriptions right right um, and someone reported me and I had a huge investigation and I was on probation for two years and I was really scared because if I got founded for child neglect, um, and abuse, <laughs> um, abuse. then I would not be able to provide and, and have my jobs. Right. Right. So I was, and plus like, fuck that. I wasn't abusing my kid. So I was really lucky and fortunate that during my probation period, Colorado was also becoming more open-minded and lenient in regards to the law and stuff. So I ended up having that, um, you know, dropped after my two year probation, but that really sparked the fire, I guess, like that whole experience of being so harshly judged for my choice with my medical doctors. Like I was making a better choice to use cannabis than the pharmaceuticals to be a better parent. And yet I was being told that I was not, and that really fucking pissed me off to be honest right right uh, but then you know we moved over here to Humboldt and you know um I was kind of also like I don't really want to be so loud anymore because that was a lot to have to go through <laughs> yeah. um but then I found myself pregnant again right and I was like really sick um my first pregnancy I just had normal standard morning sickness my second one I had the extreme um HG like horrible I lost like 20 pounds in my first trimester and I couldn't keep anything down and my doctors were worried that I was gonna lose the baby and my husband is like just smoke some weed like we grow it here I grow it with my hands I know everything that's going into it I feel safe um and he really supported me to smoke, but then I felt guilty smoking, right? Not only was there not shit on the market for moms or pregnant moms or anything really designed for the female market, um, I was getting told that I that they would not sell to me because I was, like, pregnant. And that shocked me and really opened my eyes up to the fact that, like, there's some serious work that needs to be done. And then also on the flip side of that, like you and everyone else is discovering is like, where the hell do you go to talk to someone about all of this? Right. There was no safe medical place to ask questions or get information without feeling embarrassed or maybe like, you know, outed in your community. And so, um, 
the concept to create this like virtual free online clinic kind of just manifested into it. And, you know, there are some other uh, groups out there that kind of were like doing consultations and it's like they were charging, you know, 65, 75, a hundred, 300, $400. So I felt like there needed to be something free and it needed to be provided um, free. And so we formed the 501c3 nonprofit and we've been trying so hard to get grants Um kind of been like a one-man show and then I had a bunch of babies and then our other company went through legalization and permitting and so you know it's a lot of balls got dropped here so it's still like not where I want it to be <laughs> but it will get there um and so and so that's kind of where it's at right now is it's really um a resource a free resource for families moms whoever to start the journey um, in understanding and navigating using natural medicine. It's not just cannabis. You know, we talk about uh, psilocybin and other terpenes and essential oils. And how do moms get access to your free online nurse clinic? So if you just go to canamommy.org, there is a little tab there that says clinic and you can click on it and then it will allow you to schedule schedule it and and you just click on it and it will give you dates and times and you can just self-schedule it they go in 20 minute increments i believe yeah i think it's 20 awesome might say 30 but i think they're 20 minute consultations and you can talk with either the um an rn you can talk with me there's another canamami um we're always looking for you know volunteers to come in and and give in hours um so if you're out there and you're a canamom or you're a can doula or you just want to provide your experience to other moms who are seeking information you can always come and volunteer hours into the clinic it's virtual so you just you know you get like your little login a little calendar page you just kind of say like these are the days that i'm available um and people can schedule and hopefully this year our goal is to have uh, a course an education course that goes really in depth about how to truly navigate using cannabis during pregnancy labor and postpartum and i am working on trying to bring in some kind of legal support so that if you have questions navigating the legal like legal legalities of cannabis and parenthood and all that um, you can ask them questions. So we've got big plans, hopefully. Oh, I'm excited. That first of all, that sounds amazing. And thank you for having the balls to start this and speak for the stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's gonna get easier and easier, like you said. I think we are on our way to a more understanding cannabis community, especially with moms. But do you ever experience judgment for your role in Canamami? Oh my God, yes. Because it's not just doctors that are like women are afraid of. Some women don't want to tell their husbands, their moms, their sisters and brothers, you know? So I just, as a personality from straight out of the womb, I've never been like a soft-spoken person. I'm very much um, a leader and a loud platform person, right? Um, sometimes it's not always to my benefit, right? I've had to learn to balance that, right? Mm -hmm. And, and right. So like in the beginning of this whole journey, I was really loud about my cannabis use and I got smacked down and (laughs) hit up with, uh, CPS, right? 
Um, and it kind of put me quiet for a while. And then I came back out. And when I started this company, there was other Tana moms in the community who were doing similar work, I guess, right? Because we're all doing this work. It's not like I'm unique and new. And this has been this is work and can of moms and advocating. This has been going on for years. When you're when you're entering motherhood, you are so unaware of all of the things that are gonna come at you. And you just it's great for you to have an intent and to have a vision and to enter it with all these ideas of how you're going to do it. And it's really important to remind yourself that the choices that you're making may not be the choices that someone else is making. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that their choices are bad or that your choices are bad. Right. And I think that is hard for women just in general to understand they think like, well, if I'm doing it, then then I'm right because I'm choosing this. So then if you're not choosing this, then you're not right. But that's not how it works. <laughs> no. <laughs> you you know? are the best mom for your child and your decisions are the best decisions for your child. Yep. We just need to keep having these conversations and really standing up strong and advocating and demanding that the medical community provide safe access for us. That's really what, what, you know, the next level of the conversation is we really need to talk back to the medical community and say, why can't we have this as an option? It was always an option. Why did you take it away as an option? So when your doctor goes into the hospital, they now are, subject to the hospital's like insurance liability policies and procedures right and so when you go to a hospital and you sign a bunch of paperwork when you become admitted and a lot of times when you pick a hospital to deliver at you go and do this before you're like in actual labor right you like go down to the hospital, you, you do the little tour, yeah. you do the tour, right. And it's in that paperwork you're signing saying that you give them permission and consent to test you, right? It's somewhere in that little like paperwork. Those stuff okay? you don't read. <laughs> right. And so you've already consented. So, okay. So, and there's medical reasons to why they do this. Like, they want to make sure that if you go into a C-section that before they give you any kind of epidural or any kind of medication, that there's nothing in your system that's going to like fucking fuck with you. Right. right. Cannabis isn't going to fuck with you, but yet it comes because that they, they, they test for it because it's a schedule one drug. Right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> if you have any pop for THC schedule one drug in your chart or at the hospital per insurance, they have to, the, whoever, so it's usually like a nurse or a tech that reads the lab results. They are supposed to put like a flag or a note in your chart that alerts the doctor or the nurse that you have popped for a test result. So that's first place one where someone can 
look the other way or completely screw you. And so what happens is even if it's pox, so like say it's like a, an opioid or cannabis or whatever, then they, then the nurse or the doctor is supposed to look at your charts and see, do you have a prescription for this drug? Yeah. So if you have a prescription for the opiate or whatever, then they're like, okay, they're not alarmed. Um, so then I, my next questions when I ask the hospitals is like, well, what if you have a medical card? For I had my medical card the entire time that this was happening yeah, to me. So they, they can't, they can't comment on it. They don't know. They're like, um so then there's some okay so then the doctor is supposed to report the uh, supposed to come talk to you and then make a decision of whether or not you're harmful neglectful or whatever but the doctor and the nurse then reports it to social services so if your doctor knows that you're using cannabis is cool with you using cannabis then he's not going to report you so the real work is is we have to create some kind of program legislation where cannabis consumption is not qualifying for neglect or abuse alone. Yeah. Right? So like consumption of cannabis Especially alone. Especially if you have your card. Right. Just like consuming alcohol is not necessarily abuse oh, yeah. uh, or neglect. I but could have started drinking that night. All the time and your kids are like not make, going to school and they're not being fed, then yes, that's neglect. So like, you see what I'm saying? Like if you're, if you're smoking so much that your kids aren't making it to school and your kids aren't eating, then that's a big problem. Right. But let's not. And what percentage is that? Like two? Like, exactly. you know, people who choose to consume cannabis just don't behave that way. First of all, your high right. doesn't last that long and it's expensive to keep using. So right. <laughs> nobody is and high off their ass to where they can't function all day. That's just not an option. Exactly. It just doesn't happen. Like I said, go back to the basics. Cannabis has never caused harm to anyone. Like the worst thing that cannabis does is it makes you like maybe a little lazy, eat a little bit more. Maybe it demotivates you, you know, mm-hmm. make you sleep some more and that's just some people that have like i when i smoke i get more like motivated you know yeah and especially now like during this pandemic i i recently was just checking out your stuff just making sure i I knew about you and doing my research i saw a while ago you posted something about how much higher cannabis use among moms are during this pandemic Uh because it's stressful like we were talking about in the in the beginning of the podcast because you can't start drinking at 9 a.m. You sure can't. I mean, you could. Nope. But. <laughs> I mean, I guess people do. Yeah, right? people do. Um, people really do. That being said, you know, like cannabis, again, I think that's why people are going toward, towards the pandemic, too. It, it has a lot of great, great attributes, you know. It just really is. Like, I'm an advocate. I'm a fan. <laughs> what do you personally use cannabis for? Like your own? Do you have so I so I use it to manage. Um, so I have really bad pain in my lower back and my neck. I was hit um, in 2010 by a drunk driver. I was really fortunate. I was really, you know, of all the kinds of accidents, it was, I was very fortunate. But it herniated discs in my neck and in my lower back, and then so throughout the pregnancies, right. It's just All gotten worse, pulling, worse. Yeah. yeah, like my hands go numb sometimes yeah. in the middle of the day. Like my knee is all messed up now. And like I'm just falling apart, really. So I use it first and foremost to manage chronic pain, my um, depression. So I 
I'm coming out of postpartum depression, but I also suffer from major depressive disorder. So I use a variety of strains and micro doses and variety of ways to help me stay stable throughout the day and throughout the pandemic and just throughout life. Throughout 2020 um, then, <laughs> slash 2021 now. <laughs> right. Um, and then um, I also use it um, to control appetite. Um, so I'm on the other spectrum where like I overeat when I'm anxious and stuff. So there's like a bunch of different things. So like flour, I don't normally smoke flour. Um, very rarely will I actually consume flour. I play a lot with oils. So Mm -hmm. I love this, um, new product out here in Cali called click. It uses nano emulsion technology, so it's a spray, but it's fast acting and hits you kind of like a dab. Oh. Um, those that I like using the the concentrates. I like doing dabs. It's amazing like what people are coming up with now. Now that we can, yeah, it's really and then I love amazing. like sitting in the bath and yes. um, that's my favorite. The bath bombs, the bath salts. Yeah, yeah same. And then edibles. Um, low dose edibles like i'm talking like 10 milligrams like a gummy um, and or that's something kind of like how i microdose during the day either with like little gummies or there's a company called camia um out here in california they're a female owned uh cultivation well no they're not cultivators they're a manufacturing company out of sacramento but they have these cool things called zen sips and they've got like a chai tea and a like hot cocoa and they're like 10 milligrams each and you just like add it. I like to go through Starbucks, get like, you know, and just oil. add it to your drink already. Yeah, yeah. dude. You know, during the day, it's like small little micro doses to just kind of keep everything at bay. Um, at night, it's a little bit more heavy so that I can go to sleep. And in the morning, um, you know, I try to like put like a cream and stuff on like, you know, various stuff, various, various days, but yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I use cannabis. Um, you know, in pregnancy and labor, it was very different, but right. it's my, my day-to-day, if you will. Well, I just wanted to end with your mission statement that I found on your website. Oh, good. Um, Cannamami Nonprofit says, our mission is to create a safe space for mo- mothers and families to gain access to the most current legal and medical information available with no fear of judgment or stigma. The rights of medical marijuana patients in the removal, dependency, and child custody context are still unresolved. Defending our rights can be very difficult, especially because many people in the system, including CPS workers, attorneys, and judges, can be biased against parents who are medical marijuana patients. So I just, if anybody is interested in Canamami Nonprofit, you can find Kelly on Instagram at Canamami Nonprofit, Twitter at Canamami Blog, and Facebook, Canamami.org, and their website, Canamami.org. Yeah. So, thank you so much, Kelly, for joining me. I feel like I could talk to you for seven more hours. We're going to have to schedule I know. another like, one. Part two. <laughs> yeah, we part will two. for sure. I'll just book <laughs> it on your website. If you guys want to talk yes, to her, you can book it, it the same way I booked it. You just go online and book her time and she'll call you. <laughs> yeah, it's really that simple, right? Yeah. Well, thank um, you. Awesome. I'll let you get back to your day and your cannabis use. <laughs> yeah, and my kids, my kids, my kids. That are um, all at home distance learning. Thank you for doing this podcast and providing another platform for people to share their experience and really push 
push the stigma um, out of the way because it's ridiculous and it needs to end. Oh, thanks for saying that. And you're welcome. And I'm excited to check out your business too. And hopefully I'll get over to Arizona when this COVID thing kind of settles down and we can do like, I'd love to come over there and do a Canamami spa. That would would be so great. Okay. Well, we've got so many plans, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right, Lindsay, thank you so much for um, sharing your day with us. And we look forward to hearing the podcast. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Bye. This has been Canna Moms with Canna Bombs. Go smoke a joint. You deserve it.